عليه الصلاه والسلام والشيخ الخطيب المرسلين سيدنا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين. اللهم فقنا فتحا مبينا وارزقنا رزقا مباركا كريما. ربنا اعطينا على ذكرك وشكرك وحسن عبادتك. الحمد لله. So today we have a really significant, very significant surah. Inshallah, you'll see why this is one of those essential surahs that we cannot live without. And you're going to see within it the beauty of our faith and the seriousness of our faith and the pragmatism of our faith. Our faith is not one that is wholly like sentimental. It has sentimentality to it. Islam is beautiful. It's a beautiful faith. It really is. And it's a faith that blends that incredible emotion, right? Of love, of affection, of mercy, of rahmah, of intimacy, even with Allah Azza wa Jalla. But it's not just a, a faith that is drawing or talking about these high philosophical ideals. It does, in a very sentimental way. But then it brings you down to the ground and says, we gotta be pragmatic. We gotta be real. We gotta know how to implement those ideals on the ground in a manner that ensures we can achieve this ideal. So the Hujarat entitled by the, 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 the rooms, referring to the rooms of the Prophet the residential rooms of Rasulullah is, is an incredibly uh, complex surah. It's, it's, it's a surah that really comes to lay down this amazing foundation with specific teachings on how to implement an idea. What is that idea? Let's go back again, connecting surahs. What's the last surah we did? What is fat? Open. How do I achieve openings in life? And, and the surah came and flipped our heads, redefining what is conquest in your life? What is the greatest achievement in your life? Is it acquiring things? I mean, for them, for, for, from a political point of view, it's acquiring new land, conquering it, uh, adding new people to your cause, right? Having more people on your side, increasing your rank, and so forth. Authority, right? Which is a big deal. It is a big deal. That surah came to redefine for us something essential that far exceeds uh, conquest of lands. And it spoke about conquest of lands. <coughs> that these hearts needed to bond with who? Rasulullah who is our center. Allah is the center of our existence. But he sent us this amazing figure, right, that becomes synonymous with our faith. He, you know, the way Allah is Rasulullah So how do we achieve this bond with him? Allah just spoke of having to be disciplined to Rasulullah And he made him see how, in a moment, when his community, when his friends were um, at the heart of their emotion, emotion of rage and anger against the Meccans, when they were not able to enter Mecca, when they heard the news of the death of Uthman, and they were experiencing emotions that couldn't be contained, right? What happened? In a moment, Rasulullah when he asked them, take off your, take off your ihram and slaughter the sheep, they didn't. They didn't. And then his wife told him, just go do it yourself and see what happens. And indeed, when he took off his clothes and, ch- and, and shaved his head, everybody followed Rasulullah. 1400 people. 
It's a magical moment, transformative moment. Allah says, this is my time. For you to do, this is for you to be, to, to in, for me to endear their hearts to you. For them to be so soft and so obedient to you that in a moment, they bring their rage down, their anger down, and they follow Rasulullah who signed the treaty that had them retreat from Mecca, it was the beginning of the conquest. Eventually culminating in a conquest of Mecca that was bloodless. Bloodless. Allah says that's conquest. But it began with what? The inside and not the outside. So Islam redefines what is important. The, the inside has to be very important. Right? Then at the end of the surah, which segs into Surah al Allah describes something very beautiful, this idea. He says, Muhammad Rasulullah, and then he says, um, you know, um, says he's giving us a portrait, beautiful image of what? Rasulullah Muhammad and his community as people who are what? So merciful, so beautiful with each other. So caring towards one another, so gentle with one another, so intense and firm in their principles, and those were enemies. Then he says their example is like a tree that grew from a little tiny seed, right? That was not even visible in the ground, and then it, it puts out this stem, and the stem becomes thickened and strengthened, and suddenly becomes a large tree. He's promising what? There's the promise. This community is going to grow and grow and grow, but not like grow in a flimsy way. It grows like a what? Tree. Powerful, strong tree of different members. Rooted in Allah's consciousness. And Allah describes something very essential. He said, merciful with each other. See, this is a very simple concept. Be merciful. But you know, implementation of that is not easy. What if I have a different idea of what's merciful? What if I, gentle for me is to just put you in your place right now, right? What if gentle is, well, in the name of truth, I have to put Shabbos in his place and say, Shabbos, I don't know, man, the way you look today. Because you got to be merciful with me, make me feel, you know, feel good, and I pick on you and your looks. What if that's mercy for me? So Allah portrayed something beautiful, an image of a tree, and it's an idea. Allah wants out of our community. And this is Allah talking to us right now as well about our families and communities. Is it like that tree that exhibits this beauty and that is so strong? How does how do you construct such a beautiful tree whose members are plentiful? Because the community is now what? What happened after Surah Al-Fatih? Surah Al-Fatih was uh, prefacing and laying the ground for the ultimate conquest of Mecca, which happened two years later, <coughs> after Saudi after the period of Hudaybiyah, two years later, what happens? In a very easy way, all of Arabia comes under Muslim rule, and Mecca comes under Muslim rule. It was conquered. So what happened now? You have, how many people are now coming into the fold of the faith? Countless. All of Arabia, with all of its tribes, suddenly, in, a, in an incredible rush, Coming to the fold of Islam, rapid, rapid growth. What's happening to the tree? I want you to think of the tree and think of the numbers. Whoa! Like you gotta. Allah has an idea. Allah doesn't just want a large numbers. Yellow, millions of people are people, and they're saying that Allah. Allah says, yeah, great, but there's something far more important. I'm not interested in numbers. I'm interested in what building a what? 
dream community, real, authentic, powerful, strong community, just as he described in the last verses of the Bible. Whose stem trunk is strong, whose branches are fruitful, whose roots are firm in the ground. How do you build that? Is it now difficult or is it easy? After the conquest of Mecca and Arabia, you tell me. Easy or hard? Extremely hard. Why? How hard is it for you to get two, three members of your family to sit on a table and eat? And adopt a code of conduct in the house. And have manners. And treat each other well. And bond. You know, you want your children to be strongly bonded and grow to love each other. You know, have twins and they're constantly like bickering and arguing, right? Two, right? How do you ensure that they're bonded with the parents? How do you ensure that you imagine neighbors now? Oh my God, imagine when you have a big neighbor. It's not just having to have relationships with one neighbor, three and five and seven neighbors with all their differences. Now you have to become on good terms with them. Suddenly it's a city. Suddenly it's all of Arabia. Imagine now what these people had to bring. What's the ideal? Durant is talking about an ideal. Create a strong community of brotherhood and sisterhood. Don't we always talk about this ideal in Islam? How often do we hear here cited brotherhood, brotherhood, brotherhood? Question is, do most communities have brotherhood? Just as do most families have brotherhood and sisterhood with them, we know that the ideal is not necessarily what reality is, isn't it true? Most families are in shambles. And guess what? Most communities are in shambles. In fact, in our day and age, what's missing is the neighborhood, is the community. Why do we love to come Sunday morning? What do we feel? Yeah, sure, we learn the word of Allah. Beautiful. But what else are we sensing? Bonds. Community. We go eat together. We have this feeling of affection and subhanAllah, the, the joy of seeing each other. All that is a sense of or expression of community. Allah is now is talking about a challenge. This community is undergoing rapid growth of not just numbers. You have tribes coming and declaring their allegiance to Rasulullah Muhammad coming to Medina, flooding Medina from all corners. Now in the one in the one hand, Rasulullah can be ecstatic and he was happy. And the Sahaba are happy, but there is a challenge. These are people coming with their what? Imagine. All beliefs, all customs, all habits, dogmas. Social order, expectations, beliefs, matters, uh, etiquettes, engagements, family laws. Have they understood Islam yet? Nothing. Right? All they know is La ilaha illallah, Muhammadun Rasulullah. But they're coming as their own people, as their own tribes, with everything that they've already kind of experienced in their lives coming with them. Right? Can you imagine now the challenge, the complex challenge of bringing people who are coming not just with their own habits and customs, etc. Imagine now with their um, with their concept of what a social order is. We're bringing now not just new males, new female members of the community. Isn't it true? We're bringing children into the picture. What else are we bringing? The rich and the poor. The ones who are in terms of lineage, a big deal in Arabia, and those who are unknown and looked down on. Now, prior to Islam, how did they look at the poor? 
uh, ooh, ooh, I don't mess, I don't mingle with you, right? You're lower than me. How do they look at the females? Your place is in the, is in, is in, is in the, you know, the, under the dirt, right? Once we do your thing, that's it. They used to bury them, bury them alive. They have no place in the social order. What is Islam? What's Islam's ideal? Everybody's equal, right? Everybody's one. Everybody is, you know, equal in front of Allah. Except, you know, you know, those who are pious and righteous, they're ahead. We know that's an ideal. But how do you achieve it? This massive number, this influx of people who are carrying their own ways of looking at reality, that doesn't mesh with Islam. Surah Al-Hajarat comes in a pragmatic way to redraw the social order, the map in a very practical and detailed way. They were going to have to redraw your consciousness. So it, it places two powerful anchors to build that tree that integrates the different members of the new community to achieve what? A significant, powerful bond of brotherhood and sisterhood. It's easy to talk about brotherhood and sisterhood. It's quite another to create a bond of brotherhood and sisterhood. How do you, the question is, cement, Build a real, authentic, powerful bond of community. And I want to, when we think of Hujarat, think of this community. How do we achieve that idea, beautiful idea that is the greatest joy on earth, which is to create a strong community? Allah Azza doesn't joke with this. He has to place anchors that address how people think, what they believe, but also how they behave on the ground. So this sort of comes to provide a detailed picture of the cornerstones of this behavior, of the social engagement. It addresses specifically mannerisms and etiquettes and character, subhanAllah. So the glue that glues people together as a community, because they're very different than each other, they were used to hate each other, they look down on each other, they have different standards, he used to consider, for example, just to give you a, a, an example of this, uh, the worth of people is determined not by their goodness, but by what? According to Ergo, the social order for this, you know, the, 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 the social contract that was known in Arabia, says it depends on your family name, your lineage, the color of your race, that's it. That's what makes you worthy. That's what makes you superior. What else? What did they used to do when they used to hang out with each other? Everybody used to do what about themselves? Like social media today, exactly. What do they do? Show off. Boast. The parallels with today's culture is amazing. So everybody, for them to get worth, to be recognized, to, to, to gain status in the community, social status, first you have to come with a good name, family name, but remember, you have to boast about yourself. You have to exhibit publicly what? Acts of generosity, nobility, courage, and now people start writing poetry about you, writing articles on you, right? So that's how you have to have fame, and fame is attained by boasting and show off. So imagine the vanity that kind of became um, dominant in their attitudes. But this is how people engage with each other. So it was a culture of boasting, it was a culture of vanity, it was a culture of lineage. It was a culture of that's what determines. This is the standard of, you know, that determines people's worth. No uh, significance was given to piety, goodness, 
to the lowly in society, there were nobodies. Islam had to come and revamp all of this. Otherwise, that tree is meaningless. It's easy to talk about trees and love and affection, brotherhood and sisterhood, and yeah, give me a hug, but at the end of the day, you're nothing. Right? What does that do to the hearts? If somebody, I'm, I became Muslim, and people still look down on me, what does that do to the hearts of new people? Crushes them. They're not going to bond with anybody. Even the rich will be isolated, and the social stratas will be maintained, and there is no tree. It looks like a tree, just as us Muslims, we boast about numbers. We have 1.7 billion people, mashallah. Great, great. Are there trees? Are there real bonds? That's the question of Allah The question of Hajjah that is powerful is how it's implemented. The code laid out in Sujan Hajarat, you're not going to find it any other way of life. It's impossible. Such a beautiful two pages. Allah lays down powerful, powerful contract, social contract, code of conduct for how the believers now, here's what he says, need to engage with each other. There has to be rules. There has to be abominable, unseemly behaviors that have to be shunned, and Allah will identify them and describe them vividly, saying, here are the red lines you cannot ever, ever cross with your brothers and your sisters. Because if you do, you're going to hurt them, hurt yourself, and hurt the bond, not only with them, but with Allah himself. He's going to educate us and enlighten us on our mannerisms, cultivating the manners, polishing our manners, polishing our adab, the etiquettes, with Allah himself. And with Rasulullah Muhammad sallallahu alayhi he says, here is how you engage him, think about him, even talk to him. This is a surah that will come to polish even the voice. Not just saying, hey, have great character. Again, that's fundamental. What does that mean? You will not find anything, any religion that not only comes to exalt character, but to exalt what's called in Islam, adab. What's adab? Your manners. The way you engage. The way you look, the way you speak, the etiquettes of how to sit, of how to stand, of how to walk. Wow. Paying attention to the fine details of your behavior and your manners with everyone and everything around you, starting with Allah and Rasulullah. Cultivation and the polishment of mannerism, and this is what it comes to say your manners. And the way you engage, and the way you think, and the way you speak, and the way you look is a reflection of your faith. And it's so intertwined with your faith that it affects your faith. Meaning, this is actually a very interesting question. Oftentimes when we, uh, in business, when we talk about, hey, listen, you need to be this way, you need to communicate in these ways, you need to talk to your team this way to make them bond with you, right? But it never talks about the impact of that on your own heart, on your own spirituality. Turns out that character matters and adab, what's called it, it's not adab, it matters. The refinement of that is a cause for your faith to either increase or what? Decrease. It actually affects your spirituality. How I speak and how I engage others has deep impact, not just oh, on recording hasanat and in your reputation and on the relationship. No, even deeper on my heart and your heart, on our faith, on our righteousness, on, and on our nearness to Allah and Muslim. Wow. 
It's a very scary proposition, right? And not only this, it turns out that other etiquettes and matters and their refinement have everything to do with whether your deeds and life are acceptable. And that the lack of character and mannerisms can spoil completely the deeds of human beings. It's a different proposition altogether. Allah is erasing the old social order and revamping it completely to create that cement between the hearts of the new members of the community and all these new families. All in Surah Al-Hujurat, as Surah Rahmat Al-Hujurat, these rooms in which Rasulullah resided with his wives. Why did he speak of Hujurat? Let us, inshallah, begin, and we're going to go through these verses. Each verse is a constitution. Each verse lays down a powerful principle, a teaching from Allah on how to behave. So it's a sort of about behavior and etiquettes and mannerisms, and indeed, alhamdulillah, we have a faith who's concerned about the beautification of our mannerisms. Because who else will teach us that even your voice is a big deal? But it's not. Allah begins the surah by declaring something very significant. The matters begin with Allah and Rasulullah. We never really usually think of Adam with Allah. Adam, again, I'm going to repeat this word a lot. Adam, if we are to translate it, it means you know, refinement of, of manners and etiquettes, beyond just character, of being just truthful and, 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 and just. No, no, no. Matters is the fine details of how you engage others. Allah begins with how you engage Him. It's not just sufficient to believe in Allah. Even Shaitan believes in Allah. What's the difference that distinguishes the belief of the Shaitan who rebelled clearly from the belief of the believers described in the tree at the end of Surah al Allah begins it in a very serious tone by addressing who now? Is he addressing the Kuffar? This one is going to come to address who? Ya amanu. Oh, you who believe, who signed the new contract. You came in with your customs and your beliefs, let's erase that, we have to retrain you. The first essential principle is this. No, first draw the line. There is a red line that has to be drawn right away. First, most significant thing you need to have is consciousness. The center, the anchor is not the tribe anymore. Right? It's not your name. It's not your status. It's who? Allah. Allah. A beautiful community, a beautiful thing cannot be drawn without the root, and the root is Allah. He's the beginning, he's the end, he's the source, he's the one to be pleased. He's the destination, he's our maker. But how do you know? Okay, what's so what's the matter is of Allah? Okay, yeah, I love Allah, I believe in him. These new tribes believe in him. They declare that Allah is that enough. He says, no, it's not enough. The first attitude that needs to manifest is where does Allah and Rasulullah show you believe in them? Where do they stand in terms of your perspective on them being the source of legislation? On on their opinion on the matters of life? Do you look at them as, do you look at Allah as really your God that you need to respect and revere? Do you look at his orders as commands as being um, uh, uh, taken precedent over everything else, and does your heart respect that? And we do the same with Rasulullah Muhammad So Allah declares this. 
prohibition. He says, don't put yourselves before Allah and Rasulullah. What does that mean? Physically, can I... First of all, Rasulullah is not physically with me. And Allah is not a physical entity. He's God. Transcendent. So what does it mean to put myself before, forward, before Allah and Rasulullah? For the time, for first of all, well, let's talk about now. Amongst Muslims, I mean, everybody says, La ilaha illallah, does everybody look at the Quran and the Sunnah of Rasulullah as being dominant, as taking precedent over their own wants and desires? We know that that's not the case. Isn't it true? How often do we see ourselves challenging clear commands of Allah? Not just, okay, it's a one thing to struggle with implementation, but to say, no, I don't think so. I'm not so sure about this. Convince me. How often do we look at the hadith of Rasulullah Muhammad and say, I'm not so sure about this hadith, it doesn't mesh with me. This whole idea of saying this about people, women, about whatever it is that, we, that doesn't mesh with us. Marriage, name the issue. Whatever the social issue, the punishments, the penal code, many people say, I'm not, I'm not convinced of that. Not convinced. Suddenly when they say, I'm not convinced of something, they just violated verse number one of the surah. They put their opinion, their thought, out of who? Allah's thoughts and opinions, and Rasulullah's opinions and thoughts. That attitude is abominable. Allah saying you're pretty much expressing arrogance, and you're putting yourself, despite your shahada, ahead of Allah and Rasulullah. So what is the the act that is becoming of a Muslim, if you truly believe in Allah and Rasulullah and appreciated their significance, you'll have what in your heart towards them? But reverence, total respect, humility, you lower your wings, awaiting their commands. Remember Surah Muhammad was about what? Obey him. But don't obey him out of just uh, displeasure. Out of what? Joy. Satisfaction. Uh, love. Appreciation. Allah demands out of us not just belief, but He specifically says in this surah to respect, honor, and revere Allah. But how does that look like? So Allah declares that first of all, with your opinions, with your thoughts, you gotta put those on the back on the back burner. <clears throat> Pay attention to what Allah tells you to do. Pay attention to what Rasulullah teaches you. They're the ones who are gonna guide you. Make sense? Allah will guide you through Rasulullah, through his example, <coughs> upon his example, and have total respect for it. Then he gives us a vivid example of what to do even in the presence of Rasulullah. Now, these tribes are coming into Medina. They're also coming with their crude manners, right? They're not cultivated in any way. So it is reported that one of the Arabs, for example, came in a Bedouin who just never met Rasulullah. I mean, he wanted to see him. So he asked about his homes, where they are, and he was pointed to the rooms of Rasulullah in which each wife resided. And he started knocking on the door, very loud, and doing what? Raising his voice, saying, hey, what? Remember how we address Rasulullah in the manifestation of faith. He's saying, Ya Muhammad, 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 Knocks on the first door, no answer. Where does he go? Next door, Muhammad, Muhammad, come out, I want to talk to you. And he loves Rasulullah, by the way, believes in him. It has no manners. 
What does Allah say? Look at this. Look at the detail that Allah pays attention to in the Quran. He says, all you, second time, all you who believe, la tarfa'u aswatakum Don't you ever, ever, ever raise your voice above the voice of <coughs> Okay, you didn't teach me anything about justice, about prayers. Mm-mm. Start with this. Adam. You know, by the way, the word Adam in Islam, if you flip it, it's three letters. Adam, right? Can you flip it for me, please? And tell me what it is. What it means or what it says. Try it. What does Bada mean? What does Bada mean? Start. Starting the endeavor of Islam, the whole you know journey of Islam, the path to Allah begins with before we learn anything. The first thing in scholarly actually pursuits. Scholars, when they mentor students, the first they te- thing they teach you is what a parent teaches their children at home, which is what? Adam. Adam. Learn how to talk to me. Learn how to sit. Learn how to clean. Learn about your voice. Don't raise your voice. Say Baba. Say Mama. We don't teach him. Say that. Like, say, say Baba. Please. Begin with this. Begin with Adam. Address your grandparent this way. Address your grandmother this way. When they show up, don't do this. Right? Adam. Adab is the key to Islam. And Allah begins it with an instruction of Adab. Don't you ever, 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 before you learn anything about Sharia, about the rules of Islam, Lord, your voice, especially with who? Now, there are many reports about this. One of them says that, um, uh, you know, not only about this Bedouin, but it was reported that Abu Bakr and Umar and Khabbab were talking in front of Rasulullah. And they were, remember, tribes coming. And one of those notable tribes was coming to visit Medina, and they wanted to send someone out to receive them. Abu Bakr suggested a name in front of Rasulullah, saying, why don't we send someone, by name, I forgot his name, to receive them before they bring them to your home, right? Omar said, no, I, I think it should be this other person. Abu Bakr didn't like that. And he looked at Omar and he says, are you just trying to argue with my kind of... Uh, suggestion? Are you just, is that, is that what it is? Remember, they're human beings. Sometimes we exalt them to the point of like seeing them as flawless. <laughs> they were not flawless. The most amazing generation, but they make mistakes, right? And argue at times. And both of them start raising their voices, arguing in front of who? So it's reported that that verse might have come down to address that situation. Ever raise your voice in front of Rasulullah? What was the, the emotional feeling of Abu Bakr and Umar towards Rasulullah? Incredible love and a devotion. But in that instant where their voices rose a little bit, a little bit over his voice, was condemned Allah. They had to receive almost like a reprimand. And everybody else, despite the fact that they're praised by Allah, it's an instruction not to them, to all of us. Not ever, ever raising our voices. Now, if Allah is asking us to pay attention to our voices in relation to Rasulullah Muhammad just your voice is a big deal, he's saying, has a powerful impact. And he says in this surah, whether your deeds and he says, if you don't, your deeds will not even be Can you imagine? Just raising one's voice 
and follow Rasulullah Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Even if someone loves Rasulullah Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, will render all their actions, righteous actions on this earth, void. Allah will completely reject them because that person anchored Rasulullah <coughs> and they displayed rudeness in that moment. Allah is talking about what? Voice. Your voice matters and it affects your faith and your nearness to Allah and Rasulullah Imagine if voice is being pointed out as such. How about reading a hadith of Rasulullah and saying, I don't think so. What do you think? Can you imagine? Now imagine somebody who raised their voice, loved Rasulullah, and they're warned and rebuked. What about someone who puts their thoughts and opinions ahead of Rasulullah? Can you imagine what trouble that, one, that person might be in? That's what Allah has suggested in this Quran. That's the level to which it exalts us in our behaviors and mannerisms. Then Allah says, Don't don't start calling him with his name and talk to, him, talk to him so casually as if you're talking to each other. He is Rasulullah. He's a big deal. He's the messenger of Allah. Honor him, revere him, attribute him even with a proper title and don't call him what? Muhammad. He's not just another tribal leader. So when the new tribes came in, they're like, new tribal leader. He's now not a tribal leader, but still a tribal leader. That's how they dealt with tribal leaders. They didn't really look at their at, 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 at him as a kind of a, a unique, different figure. Allah says in this surah, don't look at him as such. Don't treat him casually as another human being. Don't get too used to him. Thinking he's just your body. I just, even though Rasulullah was very approachable, very humble, sat and ate and played with people, but even when you sit with him, your voice should never be high. Now, how did the Sahaba take this? It is reported that when Umar ibn al-Khattab heard this voice, he was terrified. He thought, Allah is angry. When he used to sit with Rasulullah, he lowered his voice so much, it is reported that Rasulullah had to ask Umar every time, what did you say? I can't hear you. He lowered it so much to the point where Rasulullah couldn't hear his voice and had to do what's called istifham. Rasulullah had to ask Muhammad, I can't hear you. Can you please tell me what did you just say? Every single time. That's the, the a matter of reverence they have for Rasulullah Muhammad. Now, in our day and age, you say, is this applicable? First of all, yes. First of all, with the tradition and the teachings of Rasulullah Muhammad. Allah says, What is your attitude towards the Sunnah of Rasulullah? What is your attitude towards the reminders of Rasulullah when he tells you do this, don't do that? Haven't we talked before about those who say we'll only take the Quran and not hadith? It's hadith, how do we know that it's authentic? They totally disregard Rasulullah. Imagine their position. That's beyond raising their voice against Rasulullah. That's disrespecting Rasulullah. That's dishonoring Rasulullah. That's not understanding his position for Allah Azza Right? Now, what about raising the voice? So that's a given. That you have to revere every single thing that Rasulullah said. His way of living, his tradition, his memory. When his name is mentioned, what do we say? Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, you have to take a pause and not just blurt it out. Pause and think about the memory of Rasulullah. And almost like calming down 
from whatever it is that we're distracted by. Imagine if his name is being mentioned, the hadiths are being mentioned, and I'm flipping television channels. We oftentimes say this about the Quran, right? When the Quran is recited, leave whatever it is that you're doing, pay attention, or at least turn it off. But don't disrespect the Quran when it's being recited. That's respect to Allah Himself. It's His word, it's exalted, it's divine. Sit down and just humble yourself. Remember when we spoke of the voice? The voice is significant, has effect on your faith. Similarly, your posture. You don't act of arrogance or a way to a big way of sitting. Raise your feet. Imagine, like, if we do this, you know, I don't know, in front of important people. How do they look at us? Like, what's wrong with you? Put your foot down, right? Look at me, right? Where's your eyes? Where are your eyes looking? Well, oftentimes, lower your voice. We say this to children, etc., etc., etc. Allah says, when my word is recited, even if you don't understand a thing that was said, you need to what? Have a posture of humility. Where do we exhibit this posture with Allah? Where do we learn it? Look at what we do. You notice you don't look around. You don't let your eyes go. Where do you look? Now, it's an act of humility. It's not just for concentration. It's for you to say, Allah, I'm in front of you. What do you do with your arms? Imagine if they're flapping on the side. I mean, that's sure. In the Maliki method, it's okay to put your arms on the side. That's respectful. But imagine if you just... You know, like, right? Your your hands are sending a statement of either composure or disrespect. And we know it very well when others stand in front of us and they're just kind of standing in a funny way and or they're not looking at us and they're flipping their heads everywhere. I'm like, hey, I'm in front of you. Have some respect, especially if you have a position on top of them, right? We learn that in Salah to fold our arms to compose ourselves. We do the bowing. We do the prostration. That's so significant is to teach Muslims to be disciplined and respectful and reverent with Allah. <coughs> and that attitude has to carry itself beyond the Salah. Whenever Allah's name is mentioned, we just have to just take a moment of reverence and, and, and deep thought about Allah. Appreciating Allah. When you say Alhamdulillah, Subhanallah, La ilaha illallah, what about Rasulullah? Same thing as When his name is mentioned, we say Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, but also take a moment to reflect on his beauty, on his honor. When the hadith is mentioned, pay attention to what is being said just to honor Rasulullah. Even if I didn't understand the Arabic, say, oh, the hadith is being mentioned, Rasulullah, right? Because he's living. His spirit is still present with us. Even when you go and visit Medina, that's actually a real vivid, practical way of implementing this, this, this uh, verse of Allah. Rasulullah, we say he died, he passed away. Well, guess what Allah says in this surah? The Rasul of Allah is with you. He passed away, his body is not here. His spirit and soul is present with us. That's his legacy and teachings. His living example is still with us. We're connected to it, but Rasulullah in spirit, Sallallahu is present. Did we know this? That Rasulullah is with us right now? How do we know this? First of all, in Salah, don't we send greetings to Rasulullah Muhammad as if, as if he is in front of us? As-salamu alaykum, alaykum, O Prophet of Allah, you greet him as if he is in front of you. Because he is. Rasulullah said that every single time you mention, you greet me, 
Allah gives me my spear back to greet you back. SubhanAllah. So there's direct, intimate interaction with Rasulullah right now. Allah said, until the day of judgment. Didn't he say that your deeds are presented to me every Monday and Thursday? I look at them and when I see good things, I'm happy. Right? And I make dua for you right now. Rasulullah is present. So what is he saying? <coughs> his name is mentioned more in the post. When you go visit his grave, it's not just a grave. Rasulullah is alive and he's here and seen. So what should we do? If you go to, the, to Medina, above the grave you'll see something recorded or inscribed on the wall. What is it? Exactly. A verse from here, right, that Dr. Dean just quoted us. I'm just trying to. Yeah, it's verse 3 that we're about to, to, to reflect on. Verses 2 and 3. Allah, they recorded it above his grave to say, Oh, you will, don't raise your voices. The presence of Rasulullah, and that Allah says that those who lower their voices with Rasulullah Muhammad, those are the ones whose hearts have been tested for taqwa. Allah says that's taqwa. That's the thing that is going to plant taqwa and righteousness in your hearts. SubhanAllah. Big test from Allah. And it's and it's proven by what? Voice. Imagine now the hearts and the thoughts. So what should happen? When we visit Rasulullah and his grave is that the way we even walk should be respectful. One should just kind of walk gently, humbly, right? Lower their heads, literally stand in front of Rasulullah and should they shout, hey, Rasulullah. That's raising one's voice. Should be so low, out of respect, pitching him in front of you because he is lowering their voice and minimizing him in the words. Not shouting out. Imagine now people arguing in front of that place. Imagine Amr al-Bakr when they argued. People do that right now. Fighting over who's going to do the greeting. Instead of just taking a step back and just saying, I know I'm being noticed by Rasulullah. And I want to exhibit the utmost adab with him right now in my voice, in my looks, in my prayers for him. SubhanAllah. That's faith, brothers and sisters. And Allah says that's what's going to implant that piety in your heart. That's what makes you worthy of Allah. <laughs> then he says in the next verse, those who call your name ignorantly from behind the rooms are thoughtless people. People have lost their minds. Can you imagine? I get the voice. Addressing the things and the matters of how we call Rasulullah. Right? So it's a very deep lesson for us as Muslims. But also for us to understand this determines our nearness or distance from Allah. You know, when we complain about our faith being weak, we say we're not feeling, for example, the vigor of faith. Begin with that. Adam with Allah and what? And Rasulullah. We don't understand that if we just exhibit that without any knowledge, you don't even need knowledge. That's knowledge. That's the most important knowledge. To just for me to say, I love you, Allah, and I just, just, I don't know anything. And I adore you, and I'm afraid of raising my voice. With you and Rasulullah, just that. It's the biggest deal to Allah. Allah continues. Uh, by seeing now instructions, giving us now, he's, he, edu- he educated and enlightened us as to the matters with him and Rasulullah, beginning with the voice and the heart and the thoughts, right? 
determining or excuse me, declaring them to be such a big deal for your faith and your Islam. Now, how do we engage others? The, 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 the goal of Islam is to create powerful social bonds of brotherhood, sisterhood, that is real. It is not fake. Now, what is the one thing that harms communities and families? What is that? <laughs> a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. Backbiting. <laughs> Which is all, all about news of people. Isn't it true? News of people. Talking about chasing the flaws of people, pointing it out, especially publicly. The worst thing, the most abominable thing is not just to hold a negative thought, which is condemned already, but to now take that negative thought and what? Broadcast it out. And the worst of it is what happened in Surah Al-Nur. It's not just backbiting. Taking it to another level, which is what? Spreading false charges and news about people. False, especially false. And going beyond yourself, right? into broadcasting that news publicly. I can't tell you brothers. How many communities have been ravaged, destroyed by just false news? And people not interested in propagating them, but in what? Listening to them and believing them. Believing them. What happened to Aisha and Rasulullah? Why we need this person? Not just communities, families. Families are ravaged. Muslim families are ravaged by false news and rumors and backbiting. Right? I shall slander. By what? False news. Somebody spread it. Hey, did you see what I should wish she was with? And now instead of people saying what? No way. No way. Because we can't, we wouldn't do it. Imagine Aisha, right? And they peddled it. Including some companions of Rasulullah and tell the story in Medina that it hurt so much Rasulullah so much that he actually stayed home. Her devastated. Aisha cried so much she couldn't have tears anymore. She couldn't have tears anymore from the amount of crying that she has done from the harm and the hurt and the pain that lasted a month until Allah revealed the whole surah to to condemn those who peddled those rumors. So Allah here is issuing the warning again. The most devastating thing to a community, to a family, is spreading false charges and stories and now believing them is even worse. So here's what he said. All you who believe who saw, saw, signed that social contract, you want to build community? You want to build a relationship with Allah? You know what I mean? Warning from Allah. He says, when a fasiq. No, fasiq is deviant. Someone, clearly somebody interested in stories. That's what he's talking about, right? Somebody comes to you, unknown, whoever he is, it doesn't matter, and he comes to you with news. Clearly the news is bad. About people, about a family, about a person, about their honor, whatever it is. What is Allah saying? Do you reject it? He didn't say reject it. What does he say? Your responsibility, moral, ethical, spiritual duty, right? With Allah right now, is that first you don't believe it. You don't necessarily reject it either. Is what? Ascertain it. So you heard this about someone and it's a serious thing. You say somebody stole. Okay, that's a big deal. Right? Let's go ascertain it. What's your evidence? 
bring our evidence, let's hear it, let's be real about it, let's not call anybody names. Before we talk further about this, let's ascertain this news. Then Allah says, lest that you do what? You harm others without even knowing. You destroy them, you kill them, just as what happened with Aisha. Right? And it's a big deal for Allah. Imagine our families, our communities just implemented verse number six. Just that. To say the honor of people, it's a red line. Let's at least ascertain it. Because there are times now, it happens. I, I, I know this for a fact, but um, sometimes we go to the other extreme. That when we hear something, serious allegations being made, we reject them altogether because we say we shouldn't be thinking that about a person. Well, that's also not a good thing. What if it's a serious criminal? It's a serious criminal. Are you now uh, doing backbiting by talking about serious crimes that can hurt people? No, you're not. It depends on the intention and the channel through which you exercise this, but it's also there's a responsibility of people who heard these charges to go and ascertain them. Now, in private matters of people who should never, brothers and sisters, uh, lend a listening ear. Private matters of people, private sins, if you heard them, you don't go say, I'm going to go ascertain, right? Whether someone had an illicit relationship with someone, you do never, ever, 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 private matters of people, no matter what they've done, protect them, conceal them. Make sense? Because that's between them and Allah Azza wa Jal. They drank, they did this, they leave them alone. Conceal them. Allah said, better for you to go cover them. I mean, it happened that somebody was fornicating. Right? And they came and reported it to Rasulullah Saw so someone engaging in the act right now, and this and that. They're reporting news. Did Rasulullah say, let's go ascertain it? What did he say? He says, wouldn't it have been better for you? He was so angry. That you went and took a cover and put it on that? In the act. Can you imagine? Rasulullah was upset that this man came and reported that. Because that's you shouldn't report that. It's not a public, you know, there's, let's say, public crimes. Somebody stole, somebody killed. Okay, that's that's a big deal, right? That's because it can harm people. Somebody was doing something on the side, nobody even knew. You happen to have seen it. It's said, you should have, what you should have done is take a cover, put it on top of them. SubhanAllah. <coughs> That's the concern of Rasulullah with people's reputation. So those are not matters to be ascertained. The matters to be ascertained are things that can affect the public, the well-being of people. Make sense? Are we clear on that? We can have discussion on these issues. Allah says it's your responsibility to ascertain it before you regret having gone down that path of believing the story and then he says in verse 7, Powerful, powerful, beautiful. He says, Know that with you is Rasulullah. Not just at the time when he was alive, but to this day, until the day of judgment. Rasulullah is with us. What a beautiful thing to know. If you think you're lonely or not, Rasulullah is with you. You talk to him, you, you, you interact with him in your salah, you converse with him in your salah. Whenever you say Allahumma salli wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammad, the Prophet hears it, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Allah Himself is answering you by sending salahs on you. And Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi greets you when you greet Him. Talk to Him. Rasulullah is with you. But when you engage Him, what should happen to the voice? Be respectful. 
more, we should have reverence toward, towards him in, in our hearts. So Allah is giving us a beautiful gift. And then, um, you know, continues on further social instructions that are significant. Allah is practical. This is a pragmatic faith. Problems will happen. Conflicts will happen. People will have falling out, falling, you know, fall out with each other and fight with each other. What should we do in those instances to ensure that we have this beautiful tree that is cemented, in which the members of the tree that are diverse gel together and stay strong together? So Allah says, Here's another responsibility. He says, when two factions of the movement, of the believers, fight with each other, it could be two individuals fighting with each other, two families fighting with each other, two communities fighting with each other, two factions fighting with each other, what do we do? Moral responsibility, Islamic responsibility, go out of your way, leave the extra worship, go try to repair the relationship. Imagine that, we as a community, take that as a priority. We're not going to allow fights to happen. When they've happened, we're going to go out of our way to repair those relationships. Of husband one, of families, siblings, of different parts of the community. Moral duty. Wow, Allah. I've seen this happen over and over and over in communities, and what do people do? They go into the camps. They start taking the, in fact, rooting for like a, a kind of a, a fight. Wow. And they go to each other's necks to the point where problems of our communities in this area have been taken to courts. In numbers beyond life, you know, being able to be counted, right? So many times. Like, I'm like, are we reading Surah Al-Kajarat? At all. These are the people of La ilaha illallah. La ilaha illallah. Who exhibit religiosity. And yet, tell me something Rasulullah says. He said, the son of a hypocrite. is that he lies. He doesn't uphold his promises consistently. And you know what the signs of the hypocrite is not? This is incredibly enlightening. When he has a conflict with you, agreement with you, they become nasty. What happens in marriages? When you see people turning nasty, Rasulullah, that means us, it says hypocrites. It is not hypocrites. Any argument. So watch yourself. Are you humble when there's a disagreement with your spouse, child, community, relative? You just go after them? Take them out? Or are you like humble? Say, what, what did I do? Sit down. Let's, let's make peace. Allah says that's a sign of faith. And the duty of those on the sideline is to go get in and help them achieve that peace. Now, what if one of the factions is transgressive? What do we do? Hmm, stop them. Stop their aggression. Brother Kamran, you were talking about in your football, even standing up. Like, when somebody's being hurt, public, I love that example. And please, Wallahi, inshallah, remind me, please listen to And such a beautiful thing to, to see that the message being propagated to our community. You know, he cited this example of simple thing when somebody's getting hurt, somebody's being offended, somebody's being insulted. What do we typically do? Do we stand? It's not. Parents, okay, they should forgive them. No, also stand up, correct the wrong. 
prevent that offense from happening. Right? So Allah and Rasulullah says, also woman. He says, give support to your brother whether he's an oppressor or oppressed. He says, oh Rasulullah, we understand oppressed. How do we help our brother if he's an oppressor? He said, What? Stop him. Stop his oppression. Stop his oppression. Don't let it happen. Because that's destructive to your faith, to him, to you, right? And to the whole community. And the laws. So Islam is very serious about this. So Allah says, He says, if one of them transgresses on the other, don't just stop them, fight them. Now this is a time to fight them. Stand in their faces, put a stop to it, and whatever means necessary that are legal, clearly, right? To support the just cause of Allah and to bring the rights back to those who are who deserve it. Then he says in, in, in verse 10, in Namalumiruna, he declares the idea. Why all of this? Because the believers are. Again, easy word to say, but what Allah does in this way is codify the behaviors that you have to have with your brothers and your sisters for a real bond of brotherhood sisterhood to form. Otherwise, it's just talk. Right? Uh, and then he says, verse 11, practical, significant, principle, a behavior that has to be that has to happen, and, and further defining abominable actions that one should never do with their brothers and sisters, otherwise the relationship is destroyed. Which is what? He says, Ya Allah says, here's another thing you cannot do. You cannot cross the line with your brothers and your sisters. Don't you ever mock them. Ever. He says, don't you ever rebuke them. Ever mock them. Ever be condescending towards, towards them. Right? Sarcastic, arrogant with them. Never. It's the red line of Allah. Destroys faith and it destroys what? The relationship for sure. God, there's no tree. It's done. Don't mock them. Don't look down on them. Don't make fun of them. And neither women with women, maybe they're better than them. Maybe the one that you're making fun of is better than him. Then he said, that means don't defame each other. Your reputations and your honor are noble. Don't you ever defame, slander each other. Another habit of the Arabs, which is also very common in our culture, which is calling each other with nicknames that are not liked. Hey, you shorty. Hey, you this. Hey, you that. Hey, you dark skin. Hey, wow. Hey, you, you know, big nose. Whatever. He says, these offensive names, derogatory names are, are offensive to Allah himself. They destroy, they undo the bond with Allah himself. And undo the heart. And undo the relationship with the human being. And he says, those are the oppressors. If they don't get time for Allah, that's the Another instruction in verse 12, we'll wrap up, inshallah. Another thing that we have to pay attention in our thoughts, don't doubt. Don't you doubt it. Doubting things. People, some people just love doubting. They're in the habit of doubting everything and everyone. Instead of thinking well of others, they think ill of others. He says, avoid much, much. Because some of the doubts might be good. Much of your doubt is not, however. But Allah says, don't spy on each other. Don't eavesdrop, don't slander, don't backbite. He says, would you, have, would you love to eat the flesh of your brother 
right? While he's alive? Impossible. It's such an abominable thing to think, mm, eat the flesh of my friend, my brother, eat, eat it? Allah says, if that's disgusting for you, then slandering them, defaming them, right? Chasing their flaws, creating scandals about them, is worse than what? Eating their flesh while they're alive. That's how abominable the act is. And then a famous verse in 13, Ya yuhan nasu, now nas, oh creation, we've created you from a male and a female, and made you into nations and tribes for what purpose? We get to know one another, and that lays down a powerful principle. Hey, newcomers into Islam, who thought that your lineage, your bonds of lineage, is superior to bonds of faith, and the worth of people is determined by their looks and by their status. Guess what? Allah declares in the Akramakum and the Lahi Akramakum, new rule, new social order. Allah says, the most noble of you are the ones who have what? Sure. So Allah says, there are those who are most noble. People are not the same. But it's not because of their color or their lineage or their race. It's because of what? Consciousness, which is known to Allah. Look at their character. Look at their righteousness. Look at their good. It's not because of their reputation. Their show off. No, 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 no. Allah knows that it's in the heart. That is what's determining nobility. That's a distinct feature of Islam. <laughs> distinct feature of Islam. And he says now, this is very interesting. I'd love to, you know, listen to inshallah, uh, hear your commentary on it. And what's the purpose of the diversity? Allah says, I made you into nations and tribes from different languages, colors, backgrounds. For what purpose? He says, to ta'arafu, he says, it's going to enrich you. You know, we have different looks, capacities, backgrounds, races, etc., Allah says that is a sign of Allah's power for you to reflect on. Allah says, look at the creative power of Allah. Like you created all these, this variety. First of all, it enables you to appreciate Allah. So it's a sign to think about. What else does it do? So he says this outward diversity, because it's not really what matters to Allah. I just created it to, to enjoy the creation of Allah, to get to know them and to learn from them because they're different. The whole idea of diversity is that they're different, which means they complete you. Make sense? I cannot make it on my own. What skills do I have limited? I need your skills. I need your background from India and China and, uh, and, and, and Africa. Your whole rich, you know, uh, 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 kind of school of experiences of life, perspectives to be added to mine for us to become stronger. So if I shut myself down to the African way, of eating, of this, of that, thinking, who are they, right? I shut myself out of my own growth, Allah says. You're limited now. You're not going to grow. And you're the ones who have now been deemed lower by Allah. Allah says, open yourself up. You're going to be enriched by the new ways of thinking, of, 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 of behaving, etc., etc., etc. It enriches you. This diversity of Allah is for human beings to come together, to learn and grow together. So they are enriched by the diversity and not limited, unlike those who say, nope, you know, America shut down the wars to those who are not white, right? Those who promote this racist and have racism everywhere are ignorant people. They're actually hurting themselves. That's what they do not understand. Hurting themselves, the diversity is intended. However, Allah says this. This diversity is actually a test for you. 
Another purpose for diversity, different, co different colors, languages, ways of eating, is actually a test for us household. When we look at people on the outside and we judge them based on that exterior, or we determine we're better than them because of where I come from, then I failed. So Allah says, I'm actually giving you these exteriors to test you, to show you how good or bad you are. Because if you're really faithful, you'll be looking at what? Their hearts, their righteousness, and not their colors, and not their languages. So it becomes a test from Allah. Make sense? So imagine now we're being tested right now with our diversity. How we engage it and respond to it determines our faith and righteousness. <coughs> Allah Azzawajal goes on and wraps up the surah by speaking to the Arabs who just joined Islam and said, We're doing you a favor, Ya Allah. We're doing you a favor, Ya Rasulullah, because we're Muslim now. Aren't you happy? Allah says, Nope. We're doing you a favor when you become Muslim. Islam is a favor upon you and it doesn't promote you, right? And you're not doing me a favor, be happy and grateful to Allah. He opened your heart to become a Muslim. You know those who say, I'm shabbat, I'm like that. You're, you're stronger with me right now. Allah says, no, 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 no. It's a favor that I've extended and bestowed upon you, and not the other way around. Um, so Allah wraps up the surah by clarifying the notion of faith in Islam, saying that we should say that we're Muslim, but we shouldn't say, hey, we're believers regarding those Arabs, because the faith has not entered their hearts yet. And Allah wraps up by the surah, by the surah by saying, And after all of this, after the um, defining this new social contract, refining the manners, defining the abominable actions, what is worthy and what's not, who's good to Allah and who's not, what faith is and what it's not, Allah says, I know everything, right? All the unknown and the unseen in the heavens and on earth means we're open book to Allah and nobody can fake it. And Allah says, I see everything. Open the floor and show up the comments. By the way, 18 verse um, constitution. This this surah is a constitution. So thanks. God thanks. So inshallah I'll love to hear inshallah. Uh, Okay, uh, so um, let me this. So I kind of want to compare Allah's uh, response to the two stories that she mentioned, the first five verses with Sayyidina Abu Bakr and uh, and you know, the transcendent who knocked on the houses so, uh, or the doors. So I, I, it's, well, before I get to a larger point, I think it's interesting that Allah didn't say their names when they were criticizing. So, you know, he's Allah would just say, Ya'ayyuhaladina Aminu. He didn't say, Abu Bakr wa Umar, you know, immortalizing their names forever in the Quran is like a criticism. And he kind of kept it as a general uh, general statement so it would be a lesson for all of us. And I think that's how the other should be when we criticize other people. We, we don't go into like call out culture and it's like, oh man, you know, that's not Tarif, I don't know, doing something. You know, I'm gonna go on social media and blast him Get canceled by in, the the name of in the name of truly, like I'm standing up for help, right? And I'm calling up the bottom, but anyway, that's just a side point. Um, yeah. nah. <laughs> no, but um, I think it's I think it's interesting how Allah uh, he tailors his responses depending on who it is, right? So when you look at Sayyidina Abu Bakr and Umar, 
um, when they were criticized, a lot of them were just kind of very stern. And it says, don't raise your voices or, you know, there will be a punishment or, or sorry, you'll lose um, your good deeds. But if you're quiet, then there'll be a great reward for you. Whereas with the, uh, with the tribesmen, uh, Elijah Ojil didn't say the exact say that. He didn't mention, oh, you're going to lose your good deeds. He was just like, don't do that, but I'll be forgiving. Now, why why is there a difference in that? I would argue it's because with Sayyidina Abu Bakr and Umar, they knew better, right? This, this surah didn't come super early. This is late Medina, right? By then, they already know all the rules. And Sayyidina Abu Bakr and Umar are like, you know, one of the best Muslims that, that are alive. Whereas this tribesman, he's just a poor, you know, jahil man. He doesn't know any better. So Allah's Allah is more forgiving in that respect, right? And I think one of the problems that we have as a community, and you know, the entire Muslim community, is we kind of, we're very socialist in this respect. Everybody's response has to be the exact same. If you're going to be, you're going to be as strict with the, um, the knowledge of believer as you would with the, um, you know the the non knowledgeable one, right? Like if if I came into the mosque right right now and I started cursing inside the masjid, I would expect everyone to probably like hit me on the backside of the head, right? But if but if like a new new believer comes in, maybe they just converted to Islam yesterday, and you know with the culture they live in, they don't know. They might just say something. I mean, what would happen? Are you going to give them the exact same response? They don't know any better, right? And it's it's just interesting. I I don't know where we got this mentality where we're more fo- we're more focused on correcting the worship of others compared to correcting our own worship. Whether it's like, oh man, our the sister doesn't have her hijab right, rather than politely asking, hey, you know, this needs to be fixed. You'll have the masjid bhakti might fixing the hijab herself. Or like the masjid uncle if they see you, I don't know, praying subtle or something, you know, grab your hands and put them right there. Right? And I, I mean, I, I don't know if it's like an arrogance thing. I don't know if it's a zeal to like kind of like fight for Islam or or whatnot. But I think we should internalize the words of the Prophet when he said, "Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahman You know, the merciful one shows mercy to those who show mercy. Um, uh, if you show mercy to those on earth, the one in the heavens will show mercy to you. Right. And mercy doesn't come by just correcting others or disciplining, I should say. Mercy comes by educating and letting them grow and making them understand. And that's where the best teachers come from, right? So, beautifully stated. Matters cannot, and character and behaviors can't be forced upon people. And you know what this sort of promotes? Thoughtfulness. Look at the thoughtfulness of Allah when He addresses people. Because it's interesting in educating and enlightening. There's a goal. If the goal is to promote people, then we have to be sensitive to their feelings. This is a sort of a adab. sensitivity. Islam refines not just say have good character and be truthful. These are great ideals, but pays attention to the details and it codifies them. <clears throat> be gentle. Pay attention to the needs. Pay attention to the heart. Don't offend the person with even a label. Don't raise your voice. It's a, that's a refinement of behavior, beautification. It's called ihsan. Now, when we do this, fatah happens. Remember fatah? Hearts will be what? Softened. Even in the times of Bakr, even the archers, Allah said to forgive them, be gentle and soft with them. Can you imagine they just caused the death of 70 people? They didn't do it by intentionally. 
They're really good people. They just, in a moment, they didn't pay attention and just forgot the instruction of Rasulullah. Allah says, don't be harsh. That's the message that you know, was emphasizing. This beautifully stated. If we do this, Allah says, if we polish ourselves and understand the significance of Adam, our faith will be changed. I mean, we'll become like an enlightened community and family. And that's Allah, Allah that makes us people in the this extra vigilance in handling each other's hearts and souls and being so delicate with them, right? We'll make mistakes. But now in the name, this is where it's tricky, in the name of truth, in the name of enforcing the rules and teaching people, we come hard on them, we repel their hearts. And we got so busy with the exterior, we forget about raising their hearts and souls to what? Effort. Because, listen, to bring people up, you need to mentor them, which means effort with them. Work with them. Yelling and screaming at people is easy, isn't it? It makes us feel good. So it has this form of almost male arrogance, right? Sure, I'm interested in truth, but it's also arrogant for me not to not want to work with a human being and to judge them based on something without knowing what, what they've learned, who's around them, where they've come from. I don't know anything about you, but I'm going to yell at you because of the way you stood at the song. Wow, because we're interested in this. In the straight lines. Because Allah said so, right? See how we can drink ourselves. Barakallah, thank for pointing them. And again, it's a matter of faith. Uh, uh, we'll go to I'll come back to you. I just wanted to make uh, two points. One, I think we have a tendency to look at the Quran and think that what is written there is specifically and entirely for things that happened during the Prophet's time. So I, I think it's. I think a lot of things that are there are for the ages. So it may have been instigated by it, but it is written in a way that can be useful for a lot of other situations. I mean, if you've set up an office ever, uh, you know, and you're responsible for setting up the rules, have gone through that, you, you know, something comes up, you, you think about it, it's like, okay, this has come up in this fashion. What are the 15,000 other ways in which this problem could come? And then you codify something according to that. This is a book that is never changing. I think it's important for us to think about what is written and that it's not sort of confined to one situation. The second thing I wanted to say is a general comment that the this whole idea of you know the hadith of covering it up, whatever, unfortunately, that idea has been abused by a lot of people uh, when very legitimate issues have come up, particularly with respect to abuse, uh, sexual abuse, and all other kinds of abuse. We've seen what happened in the Catholic Church. You know, those kinds of stories have come out out of our faith. So I think there's a little bit of work required to clarify these things because people, very religious, very sincere, seem to go down and protect, protect the protect, protectness who really don't, you know, transparency is an element that Prophet, peace be upon him, was very, very particular about. And that's something that is not talked about enough. You just um, spun the words on It's beautiful. I'm going to get back to this because you just nailed an example of, of that differentiates, delineates this kind of the lines in terms of where we need to not put the veil. And we need to be just and, and, and address and ascertain and 
right? Take it seriously. Versus when do we put them in? So um, first, I look here on which goes back to what Java said. Allah doesn't mention names specifically because these are universals. So, so, so while the, the instruction came out of an incident, it's not about the incident. It goes far beyond it in a timeless fashion until the end of time, enlightening all of us. Right. So this is a, it's a beautiful uh, methodology. Number two of the example again. You notice the beautiful example that Brother Kamran mentioned. There's a lot of sexual abuse that happened in our communities. Even sometimes from uh, from people that are trusted religious leaders. That <laughs> are within marriages. Okay, do we say that's a private matter? No, that's oppression. That's an injustice. Big difference between two people elected to have an illicit relationship privately in their lives. That's what Rasulullah was talking about. And they're both sinful. It's not like one abuse. No, there's no abuse in it. But they've sinned. And those people wanted to chew on them. Scandalous. Like, oh, sinful. They've committed fornication. Allah doesn't want these news to spread. However, somebody doesn't sexually abuse someone. It needs to be ascertained. It needs to be addressed. But also, there has to be people who are determining is this a matter that, like, uh, what's his name, Weinstein? Yeah. Who is, like, man, the public needs to know? Because this is, like, a monster. Monster who's hurting a lot of people. Now, some people chew on it. They want tablets, right? They want stories, and they want to... But also, at the same time, there's some figures about whom you need to be. Maybe they're public figures. Maybe they're stealing from a lot of people. Where we need to educate people beyond just the limited... Uh, People involved in the matter, but most of the time it's not the case. Most of them has to be addressed and just confined to that space because maybe spreading it will become like wildfire that hurts a lot of people and just becomes a thing for people to chew on instead of learning. So, however, you addressed it, you said it in the example that it has to be addressed. And Allah says, there has to be justice, it has to be implemented, and you cannot put a cover on it and say, in the name of protecting this individual. Well, I've seen it. Like some people have committed atrocities. Say you need to think well of them. Think well of what? These are public crimes that have happened, that are hurting the public, hurting the well-being of the community. You cannot say in that case, uh, well, we have to think well of them. Even there are some shiurs, just to give an example, of how I was having this conversation with a young man um, two days ago. And, and there was some talk about, he was mentioning, you know, some people mentioning examples of some really sh- so-called sheikhs that have po- taken political, you know, stances to support dictators. <laughs> now, in that case, if somebody made public statements, right, gone on record to support tyrants and killing of innocent people, do you say, well, we need to think of them well? Right? It's public. It's known, Right? This is not a time when we say, oh, it's just a matter of thinking well of people. No, 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 no. It has crossed that line because it's harming the public and the well-being of people, and that issue has to be addressed for sure. So that's the fine line. And I'm looking for bringing that example because it's a clear example of what cannot be conceived. Make sense? And inshallah, I'd love to hear from you, but let's one at a time, inshallah. Actually, if you look at that, the, the respect for Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, when Allah addressed directly to Prophet, he uses his title. Whenever he is addressed in the Quran, oh, that's true. he uses his title, the respect you have to really see that. So my 2.5, I think this is the 
this is the perfect recipe to establish a ethical and moral society. This, this what I explained to the The other thing is that you have to really pay attention to this surah. There are two attributes of Allah I've mentioned here. al ali that he knows everything. You cannot. I mean, he can see everything outwardly and inwardly. So people need to understand those things because whatever we are doing, we are being watched in that regard. The second point I have in there, when people say is that, you know, like a backbiting, fever, is an addiction. So you are addicted like a smoking in there because people have a habit of talking, sitting together, talking about the things. How could I get away with those things? Leave the company with you practice and you have tendency to do the fever. Same thing is that when people wanted to, you know, do some kind of a reconciliation, you become a broker. So your whole principle is that you have to based on the justice. This is what this is what it is. So uh, you know things like that is is completely described here. But Allah knows everything. If you realize those things, you may think about when you do something and when you think inwardly. Allah knows everything. These are two things, the first ayah, and that ayah ended with this This is beautiful, again, this synthesis, this is Islamic model, right? Um, philosophy and, and, and entire tradition is based on cultivating the inside and the outside, not just one. And if it's not grounded in the awareness of Allah, then it's all even false. Even it could be pretended, oh, I'm not going to engage in this behavior, but it's all for show. <coughs> Righteous, right? Oh, this is like, I'm, I'm aware of everything. This is beautiful grounding in those two attributes. This is a beautifully stated. Uh, let's go back to see some shows. I was in the library, so I don't know which one it talked about the Not to say that all of them are right, but they still need that. 
Uh, so I just wanted to add that for another discussion perhaps, but just to bring everybody's uh, you know, sensitivity up to that point. Because I'm looking for such a nice, and you hit, mashallah, like, we need definitely a longer discussion on how to handle these things, right? Michael, if you know this, what you just pointed out, you pointed out two things that are cultural illnesses, this silence. Oh, this is an absolute. You should have not talked a lot. You know how many wives, just wives, not even with public figures, wives have been abused physically and otherwise, and been advised by members of their family, or not just you know, put in their place, actually. It starts with advice, but then you're like, you're put in your place by religious leaders to be silent because Allah wants you to be patient. And the best and most dutiful thing to do is to be, be patient and just, it's okay, what are you going to do? Allah will reward you in your summer. And you have no idea how many, how many sisters have been silenced, victimized, and accepted their victimhood to the point where not only just brothers, many sisters internalize this thinking because of fear. I personally know Personal, several sisters that have been hurt locally by this young man. Sexual abuse. Wallahi, like a, a guy who even Wallahi just hopeless. Young man. Like, you know, most of them were terrified of coming. Terrified. I dealt with their case for a while. Terrified because of the slander. Because people are merciless. And in social media, as soon as a sister says something, they blast her. They go out of their way to say, wow, like, without ascertaining anything, I'm not saying you know, things like ascertain, support, right? It could be an exaggeration, but why do we always jump on just negating the sister story and believing the public figures, etc., etc.? Now, there's a lot of false stories out there. Yeah, people are taken down by false stories. We need to be very, very careful. But I'm just saying that as an attitude of a community, not to stand up, find out, take interest in the matter, and establish justice. Allah says in this surah, justice. Because if justice is not enforced, devastation for the whole community, for the individual. And Allah says the well-being. I mean, uh, The entirety of a Muslim is haram upon another Muslim. His or her blood, look at this, their wealth and their honor. It's like, no, don't joke with them. Like, Allah doesn't joke with this. If they've been hurt, it's a collective more, uh, social responsibility, communal responsibility, to restore the rights. So it's it's extremely sensitive issue. I couldn't agree, Sister Shanazakallah Khair. And I know in your position as a social worker, you see so much, you deal with so much, you've attended to so many broken hearts. Such a sad thing. That we as men have not addressed it, have not taken it seriously. Barakallah thank you for approaching. The first response should be, the first response, the should be, Again, I've seen this on social media. People go to vicious, the so-called religious engage in this behavior of slandering and, and using derogatory terms and just unleashing hell and cruelty. 
or people who come forward with anything in general, but also they can go to the other extreme as well of believing stories of people. What if, let's, let's be realistic. What if somebody right now comes up and says, such and such in our community committed sexual transgressions in general, just not abuse, but just that. You need to be careful with that. Like, oh, that shouldn't be the, something to show on, because I'm telling you, we know even in the public, as people become more public, also that a lot of people that are going to come out, sometimes employed by governments to take public figures down. So please know this as well. Governments are interested in bringing people down. Public figures, because when you discredit them, you can eradicate a whole faith, a whole religion. So being just God-conscious, generally speaking, being sensitive and understanding, ascertain, right? Let's not believe just immediately, but also like in the case of sexual abuse, that's different. Like I'm just talking, there's that also other attitude that can happen when we're just willing to believe anything from anyone, not necessarily a sister. Just when when a story is out about somebody's indiscretions in their private lives, that we have to be careful about as well. Uh, so let's take no hands, inshallah. Uh, let's go here. Yeah, I mean, because of the social media, it's easy to share any, right. any news. It's, it's, it's now kind of hard to, to know whether what's in out there is true or not. So it, it's very hard for us as, a, as a human beings or normal people to just looking at any news and say, well, that's right. Or what's that's Sir, right. We have not, so uh, I agree with you. Now, go back to Sushanaz. Sushanaz is addressing people around. I'm, I'm sure, like, not just, who, who, how would the general public know? First of all, they have to take an attitude of just being careful to, you know, about what they say. But imagine the people around when a sister comes and reports something. Even the people around them who are in position to find out will just push back. Or, does that make sense? But I agree with you. For general issues, what, what, how do we know? what's truthful, what's not truthful. That's why even in general, social media is very toxic. It could be used for good, but also it could be used for a lot of harm. And people are just consuming this information left and right, taking positions and expressing opinions without any thoughts. Allah says, These are people committing crimes without knowing. And it's it's very dangerous. I couldn't agree more with Yaqib. And if we cannot know, then that's our limitations. Yeah. But there are times when we have to know. And if it's a matter that is affecting my family, my community, it's my duty to figure out what's going on because it's affecting me and affecting the community. So I cannot just sit on the side and say, uh, how do I know? But for public issues, indeed you're right. So it depends on the situation. Make sense? Oh, 
illness has increased and we are going down because of that. Barakalafi, again emphasizing this character. Character is Islam, right? And all this faith and worship without character is meaningless. The most important thing to Allah, Rasulullah said, literally the closest to me are those who are like me. Character. The ones who are best in character. Matters. Etiquette. Beauty. Internal beauty. Are those closest to Allah. And the mission itself is defined by that verse. You quote it. I was not sent, but I was not sent but to. Limited to. Perfection of character. That's Islam. That's just beautiful. Grounded in faith, clearly. So let me just circle back. I think you said it so beautifully. I come back to our other respect for our beloved Prophet And I want to again bring the point which you already said very beautifully. When you go to Medina, you see on the Door that you mentioned. It says this ayah is so important. It says, "Inna lazina yaduna aswatuhum inna Rasulullah ulaika lazina tahnullahu kulubahum litakwa." Those who lower their voice in front of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, in their hearts. Not only that, Allah Taala gives them maqfira. And higher and a great reward. So we have to be very, very careful. And it's just, it's a, it's a mindset, it's an attitude, it's a respect for Rasulullah. And not just, he's just a, a teacher, I learned things from, no, oh, just a whole reverence. And the point is, that reverence defines one's existence and faith. Imagine just having ended up with Rasulullah and, and just had that attitude of this. Standing before, you know, um, this, this Subhanallah, the perfect creature of Allah Azza that He has honored and exalted. Just knowing that by me showing that respect and other with my body, my voice, and my thoughts with Him, that that is the most pleasing thing to Allah. To and Allah says, Maqfira, forgiveness, and great, great abundant reward. Just for that, Adam. That's a beautiful thing to know about. It's attainable, it's doable, right? It's not requiring al-jashri'ah, all this stuff that we... Wallahi, most people are busy learning the fiqh inside out. Never learn the fiqh of what? Adab. You know, I'm a father. You're asking my children. Do I care how many schools of thought they know about how to stand up in salah versus whatever fiqh issues? Or to say, what if your child has adab? I say, I'll take adab anytime. Don't play as parents. Adab. Most important thing that we learn and we need to emphasize, far more important than the details of the law. The law is concerned with raising hearts and souls. That's what we forgot, right? Zakullah khair for highlighting Brother Nabir, and then I'll go to Salah. Just coming back to the point of Actually, rather than, uh, I got the minute to find the ayah because the ayah says, Ya ayyu al-Nadina amin, lima ta'uruna ma la So basically, in terms of character, people keep talking about you have to do this, you have to do that, but then they are not doing it themselves. And I think the first thing is always to focus on one side, is to basically yeah. always try to remember the Quran and what Allah said and what said and focus on oneself first. If everybody focuses on himself, 
we find all our cells on the same line. So we don't need actually to correct each other because we all correct it. I mean, and, and paying attention to this and understanding it's part of faith, right? So it's a Hey, what's your name? Where are you from? 
Allah Subhanahu deepening the relationship. Learn their story, their narrative. Their, you're going to absorb so much to grow up, and you said they took it to heart. They implemented that was like, it was a lift ideal. But they understood it's an instrument of growth. It's not just interesting, hey, you look different than me in your language, kind of, I find it you know, fascinating, right? And I love your cool people. It's not that, it's much deeper than, it's personal, it's a sign of, wow, look at you. Ben Mustafa, and you know, Mustafa comes from here, and you know, and Jabal's here, and Jabal's here, and like, whoa, it's like, Allah made this. It's just that, that level. Then, Wow, I have so much to learn from all of you. That's, that's amazing. Just to think that if I open myself up in a real ta'ala, which is deeply engaging you and you deeply engage me, something beautiful is going to come out. Enrichment for both of us. And mother, marriage is the same way. When they open up, really get to know each other, growth happens, cooking, always talk about cooking. When the ingredients come together and they are, ah, take the heat together, they open up with each other and they have the friction together, things happen. Now, big question, good question related to this. What's our attitude of that as a community and as parents? Are our children, like Nabil said, learning from our example? Or we just talk about Islam, the most, most of you are the most righteous, but then when we say something, it's like, ew. Not from our background, whatever. You know, brothers, we have so much racism now in the same point, right? That's scary. Our kids are absorbing us. The elitism, we all love them, atomic and Bethesda too, right? Let's be real. Even about distant classes. Well, why? Sometimes we don't want to mingle with people who are different, or you know what I'm saying. So being careful with these attitudes, because Allah says it's at the heart of faith. And it's a test. He says diversity is a test. Beyond learning and growing, now it's, you're being tested in terms of how you look at others, perceive them, is a reflection of your faith, your nobility, your honor, whether you failed or succeeded in the test of faith. Can you imagine? All that is happening just by me and you speaking different languages and having different colors? Wow. That is Islam, right? What a beautiful thing to reflect on and remember the effect on children. Because if we're talking about community building, and this is one of the beauties of this community, we always talk about diversity of ICP, don't we? Allah, it's a beautiful experiment. And it's a blessing of Allah, but not to be taken for granted. It requires a lot of effort to keep this and grow it even more. Right, inshallah. Barakallah fikum, inshallah. Let's wrap up. So, last, I'll go to Musaddaq, inshallah. And let's wrap up. So, let me hear Musaddaq, and then I'll go back. I just wanted to address the, the social media aspect. I mean, social media was created to supposed to be have community together, inform, knowledge, kind of thing, sharing information. That way. But it turned out to be, in my opinion, more decisive. It, it defines people. It is given very whenever I go to uh, social media, I look at the news and I look at the information and to see how people comment on that. It depresses me. It really, I feel bad about it because people just kind of going all over in all tangents and trying to hurt somebody or promote somebody unjustly. I mean, that's what the whole, we have to be very careful, particularly the young children, 
they are all the time that comes and uh, you know fingers on that machine. They just cannot. We have to be very careful about you know protecting them from all kinds of things on the social media. It's it's dangerous. And I couldn't. Look, I couldn't agree more. Here's where it caught me. Came to it's all self promotion. The boasting of the Arabs. It became a total boasting. Showing your story to uh, get uh, approvals of others, show up online. Most of the stuff is about the self vanity. It's a tool of vanity. Everybody not aware of the harm that it's been. It's part of. We need to. We cannot avoid it. We need to be careful with it and understand it's devastating to faith. Even though it's going to be a tool of education, but a tool of destruction, and it's happening already. Happening already. The the the. The types of individuals it's producing, subhanAllah, like I just, uh, I mean, fail, failure, total failure. You end up doing yeah. it wrong to the other people. And to yourself. And to yourself. Yeah. Yourself. Because of this extra emphasis of promoting oneself as well. So let's wrap up, inshallah. Let's, Dr. Ali. Uh, yeah, I love to be a footballer. I just want to correct him about the football. I'm here very nicely. Um, and, and what I heard today, and then um, it all ends up when I summarize uh, messages and I think glorify it, believe in faith in Allah SWT, and, and Prophet Muhammad and believe in it. I think it just summarizes that if we have a strong faith in all this community and all the tree and, and uh, communication with each other, we all fall in that. Uh, it's really something. Yes. It's, it's simple in the simplicity, but it's so beautiful, so profound. This sort is giving teeth to it. Just pay attention, I'm wrapping up. This one is giving teeth to enforcing it, because otherwise it's sentimental. The talk. Remember when we spoke of mercy? It was, oh, mercy. What does that mean? This one explains what mercy looks like. Make sense? Like, they, it has to have a face, behaviors, uh, uh, conduct, specific conduct that nurtures that bond, that faith, that makes sense. Otherwise, all of it is talk. So these are enforceable teachings that have been codified to promote it. One final point about race. Allah says here about race, remember where it came from. Okay, from one parents. Like we so when whenever we're caught up in racism, we're forgetting, we're ignorant about our own origin. Allah says you came from dust. All of, our, all of us are dustians, right? There's Martians and we're dustians. We all get from this. All of us are humble yourselves. Same root. You're all one, but different chases are. No, no. Part of a lot of people. You want to say something? I think you want to say something. Yeah, it's there because. Oh, well, my thing was um, where, where Allah was going to talk about, like, when people of the tribes are coming to them, they say, oh, we have faith. Or we have faith in them. And, it's, and he says, No, you don't have faith yet. You have to submit to the will of Allah. And then Allah is going to do you a favor to, you know, faith into your heart. And you start thinking like even our own community and our own well, There's, you know, I have, there's several, um, you know, like French Muslims, when I was like the same, because I was one of them, you know, at a time uh, in the past that. You call yourself a Muslim, but you don't do the rituals of what the will of Allah is. You don't do those rituals. 
and that top part is not inside you, or the iman it starts fading away, and you start seeing it. And I, it's such a, it's really like a two, you know, two sentences, and it really hits me because it's, and you see it, and it's like, oh, people say, oh yeah, I used to do this, I used to do that, and then you're like, well, why are you not doing it anymore, right? And they, they start questioning the stuff, and they're like, you know, I had someone say, you know, what's the point of doing dawah? And I was like, well, what's the point of saying Muhammad Rasulullah? You know, you question the whole thing, right? <laughs> so, and then and they, they start leaving the will of Allah. And it's painful to see. And they don't even see it. Yeah. Because I'm looking, this is beautiful, like, again, to wrap up. Just the whole idea of surrender. You notice that even raising the voice, where's the surrender to Allah? The desire, the zeal, the passion, the devotion to him, that he's a big deal, that his causes becomes a big deal, that his teachings, rituals, things, that we take interest in them. Knowing we're limited, we're going to fail, we're not going to make everything, it's okay. That's all what Allah expects. He doesn't expect perfection. Even performance, like he just says, push, show me an attitude and desire to learn and grow and do this, as opposed to, no, I don't need this. Why? Who cares about that? It's an attitude. It's here in the heart of Allah. And it's like, how do you address that to people right. with being so sensitive? and No, just, exactly. You need to just yeah. keep reminding. And subhanAllah, find our seas and understand. Allah says, the, and even if you love, the majority of people will not love you. It's a, it's a statement of Allah. Yeah. The majority of people are not believers. They're not going to say, and it's okay. We just keep planting the seeds, inshallah, and setting the good example. Inshallah, next week we'll do some of going back to faith, right? This was more, subhanAllah, late came at the end of the mission of Rasulullah. Now we're going to go back to Al-Qaf to faith hereafter, you know, and you see the methodology in the discourse of the faith. It's so beautiful. Uh, but again, reminder please listen to Brother Kumran's beautiful Friday on Surah Al Duha. I deeply appreciate it, Akhir, for all that you do for Allah's sake, inshallah. Pray for each other, brothers and sisters. But remember this message of Allah to us as a community, as families, of what it takes to cultivate deep bonds. It's a responsibility on all of us. Barakallah, inshallah. Super Bowl. Don't forget, brother Robert Saleh bin Dar for him. Jazakallah, barakallah, inshallah, for all of us and bless us as a community. Jazakallah, inshallah. He passed away, brother passed away? Okay. Where? Okay. So Janazah Terry for a brother of Allah grant him his mercy, inshallah, and uh, and forgive his, his sins and transgressions and the shortcomings on this earth. May Allah put him with the righteous and the Rasulullah. Uh, we also ask if anybody is able to go to this funeral, inshallah, bless it now. To the Lord, to the